Welcome in to Pay Dirt Sports, part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Will Dundon here. Got Nick Trucial with me. And uh, we got a little news. It is, we are going a little day late this week, but uh, I don't know if y'all can hear. I can barely hear it. Trucial, you might want to put it up next to the mic a little more. But uh, there's a new number one in town. And it is. Number one is on Rocky Top, baby. Number one is on Rocky Top. It is. It is true. Uh, I actually, I'm. I was surprised when I saw it. So we're talking about the college football playoff rankings for our listeners. If you yeah, didn't know, the, the, the one first, that matters. Yeah, the first CFP rankings came out tonight as we're recording. It's Tuesday night. Uh, and yeah, the Vols are number one. And like I said, I, I mean, I was surprised just because I didn't. I don't know. I just didn't think they would rank us number one, but. I mean, Trucio, you said it before the pod, before we hopped on. The resume speaks for itself. I don't think anyone has close to the same resume as Tennessee. Yeah, nobody, we have the most ranked wins in the country. Most ranked wins. Uh, and, be, I mean, beating Alabama. Yeah, beating Alabama. Big one, right? Dominating LSU at home, which they ended up top 10 in the college football playoffs. So that win looks amazing. Yep. And then uh, Kentucky steamrolled them, so a, a team that's defense was supposed to be incredible. This was supposed to be a trap game. Um, I mean, it, it seems like we figured everything out. We've got the defense rolling, and down goes Kirby. That's what I'm calling. That's what I'm yeah, calling. Yeah, and we won't we – won't, I, I do like to try and uh, cover – kind of the entire college football landscape. But when the Vols are not the number one team in the country, we do have to talk about them a little bit. I was at that game against Kentucky. And, man, I was telling everyone, you know, it obviously wasn't the same as the Alabama game. But, man, there's there's a different feel now that the Vols are really humming, now that you have the number one team in the country. That stadium every single week is something to behold. That Kentucky game was as electric as just about any other game would be outside of that Alabama game, like I mentioned. But I guess, t- I mean, Kentucky was a ranked opponent, so there was that. But, I mean, what a dominant performance by the Vols. I mean, just never in doubt. First drive of the game. That's what what was so beautiful is I'm sitting around all these fans and we're watching plays unfold. And the entire place is erupting before anyone is catching a ball. That's what's so beautiful about this <laughs> offense is you can see, but you can see before Hooker throws the ball we have a receiver wide open downfield and he's getting it. That's exactly what happened on that first drive with yeah, Jalen Hyatt. He, everyone sees him streaking down the sideline, literally gets to stop and catch the ball because he's so wide open, takes it in to the end zone. And I do want to mention Mark Stoops. Do they have two weeks? Do they have two weeks to prepare for the balls? Do they have a bye week before us? I think so, yeah. That sounds right. I'm not positive, but either way, all week leading up to this game, you have to be thinking, okay, we can't we can't bite on this stuff. We can't let Hyatt just get behind our defense. And you're telling me the first drive of the game, that's exactly what you give up. And I mean, just, stu- to, just look, to confirm, they did have a bye last week. So ex- okay, so there you go. I mean, you had all 
of two weeks to prepare for this game. And I'm not saying, yeah, like Tennessee's offense, obviously probably the best in the country. I'm not saying, yeah. And I'm not saying you had to stop them, but at, at least, I mean, stick to your guns on a couple things like that you had to have been prepared for. Like, look, this is going to happen on the first drive. This is, they knew what we were going to do is, <laughs> is, is all I'm thing. saying. Everybody yeah. knows what we're going to do. We just do it. Like we literally dominate you at the line of scrimmage, give head and hooker and our receivers enough time to, to get open. We have so many burners out there. And uh, that first play was basically created by Cedric Tillman. Cause if mm-hmm. you notice, he cuts right inside, pulls the safety over quarterback stays down high, it's streaking down the field. So having two dangerous receivers like that is going to draw so much attention. It's hard for anybody to do anything. <laughs> That's what's so impressive to me, too, about this Tennessee team is they've gone so long without Cedric Tillman, maybe one of the best receivers in the country, and you were still able to rattle off an undefeated season up to this point. And now I, I, I can't say well, I was about the country now. Yeah, and I was about to say now when you really need him, but I, I can't really say that. I mean, you could have argued you really needed him multiple games before this, and you didn't, so – <laughs> I can't really say that going into Georgia, but it's definitely a help having both of those guys out on the field for them. Yeah, And I mean, Brew McCoy has stepped right into the offense. Guys like Ramel Keaton have stepped right up. You uh, got four NFL receivers, yeah. in my opinion. You got four NFL receivers Probably. playing for you right now. And you know who I want to shout out so much was a guy, Danico Slaughter, on the defense. Holy cow, did he play his butt off. And it's a guy who's only started, I think, four games in his career. Um and he got, I think, destroyed. I want to say on the first drive, he was one of those guys that just gave up a big play and then comes right back around on that second drive um, when Kentucky's driving, absolutely obliterates the receiver. Um, and then I think, was it Jawan Mitchell that was there to to catch the ball and keep running? Number 10. Say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he caught it and got going. And this defensive secondary has really come into its own. The pass rush and defensive line has been playing great all season, but the secondary played incredible last week and wanted to give them a shout out. Yeah, no, that play specifically, that was the stomp on the throat. Yeah. Check the pulse, stomp on it again. Uh, because w- once that happened, the, it was the whole stadium obviously erupted, but it was like everyone could feel that this game is over. Sign sealed, delivered, it's done, you know, yeah. just an absolute beatdown of a game. What so I heard this from someone else, and I agree with it. It wasn't only embarrassing for Kentucky to obviously only score six points. What was really embarrassing is at the end of the game, all they could do, they, they just decided, you know what, we're just going to run the ball because we got to get out of here. And yeah. we really can't risk Levis either taking a sack, getting hurt, or do what he's been doing all game and try to throw up a prayer and throw a pick to the Tennessee defense and have them just embarrass us even more. And the worst thing about that is their starting star running back, Chris Rodriguez got hurt and he's probably going to be out for the season now. So when they were trying to get out of here without injuries, just get out of here. Boom. Their star running back gets hurt. And their, uh, uh, I believe it's middle linebacker got hurt right on that first or second possession of the game. He was there. He called all their plays, all the audibles on defense. And now he is uh, most likely out for the season as well. So bad news for Kentucky. Levis didn't even throw for a hundred yards, right? Didn't we hold him to under a hundred? I think so. I mean, that's the number one pick. So yeah. And, and this... People are still saying he's the number one pick. 
I don't understand that. Yeah, I saw a couple of tweets like that too. Or, like or, him and CJ Stroud are fighting for it. The better one I saw was some Kentucky fan tweeting out a picture saying, Will Levis still has one year of eligibility left. Great. Uh, I guess that's good if that's what you want. I mean, they're they're brainwashed by – and I, I mean, I can't blame them because I guess everyone is. Not paid-earth sports. We've been saying this since the summertime, since yeah. last year. Will he's Levis not is not a good quarterback. He's, he's the Carson Wentz of college football. Literally, yeah. like he'll make some plays early on in the game and then throw like two or three horrible picks when your team really needs to score. So it's like he is not a good quarterback. I don't see how everyone thinks uh, Mel Kuyper and all those guys have him at number one. Um, I don't know what you see, but hey. It's I the intangibles, Truce. It's the intangibles. <laughs> he can throw it far. What else do you need? Look at Jamarcus Russell and look at him. <laughs> gosh i mean yeah i mean great weekend for the vols uh like like we said number one um will levis sucks like we've been telling y'all for probably about a year now something else we talked about since the summer i've I've been wrong on a lot of takes seth has actually been right on a lot so but one that we i think we're all right on besides will levis not being a good quarterback was auburn going down in flames this year yep Bye bye. Brian Harston. I would say that I, I think we even said we're like, he's got to be gone. We called it sometime. Uh, the, the week before Arkansas. So we were a week off. Oh, okay. Yeah. So nice. we, were, we were almost pinpoint on exactly when he was going to get fired. Right. But yeah. So, I mean, Auburn, I guess get out ahead of it. That's always, that seems to be the trend now. I mean, there's so many head coaching jobs open right now that you got to make a move at some point. Oh, yeah. Who do you – We we've talked about this a little bit, but who do you think they go after? Or maybe um, give me like – Sanders, prime time. I think he I've has – hearing talked, it a lot. He has been talked about and uh, really picked up steam in the past couple of uh, – the past week, really. I mean, he even said, I, I, I'm committed to Jackson State right now, but I'd be crazy if I wasn't fielding outside offers. So he admitted he's taking interviews – uh, looking at else, looking at places outside of Jackson State, uh, that makes total sense. I mean, you can get way more money somewhere else um, and build a program that's going to be competing for national championships. Sorry, Jackson State, you just are never going to play the competition to be competing for national championships. So, it's are what are they FCS actually? Yeah, yeah, they are FCS. So I guess you could compete for national championships, but not FBS ones. So sorry about that. Um, I think Hugh Freeze is an option, but I think Deion Sanders is is who they need to go after right now because Auburn's talent level is so bad. Like they have been just outmatched in every way. I mean, they need somebody who can go in there and recruit. Uh, you can put put good coordinators. You can get, um, put together a good offensive staff at, at Auburn. There's a, a lot of money to throw around there. It's in the SEC. Uh, Deion Sanders, he's obviously a, a great defensive mind, especially in the secondary. But he 
that dude can recruit. I mean, he got the number one guy to commit to Jackson State. Shadur Sanders, his son, um, has been playing amazing at quarterback. So I think you could even see a guy like him transfer to wherever his dad goes. Oh, I definitely um, think so, yeah. So you're you're getting auto boost on the offense right there. And he's a guy that just everyone loves. Everybody loves prime time. He brings a big media influence to the team. So I think no-brainer, throw the house at Deion Sanders. Well, I think you get two five stars automatically. Yeah. You get a son and you get Travis Hunter. I'd have yeah. to assume he would go with Dion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If if Dion's gone from Jackson State, the whole I mean, the, the NIL, I guess, could still be there, but the whole attraction attraction to Jackson State is gone. If Jackson State offers Travis Hunter that same deal without Dion there, I truly actually don't think he takes it. Even even however much money it was, he it was would a, say I think it was a million bucks, right? He could go yeah. get that somewhere else. In that, I I think you're right, honestly. Like I think if you're a five star, that money's out there. I mean, Ewers presumably had it at Ohio State when yeah. he was there. Nico Lamaliva, he's getting more than a million, I think, at Tennessee. Yeah, he he will, he will. Yeah, I know everyone talked about that whole eight million number. That I think it's a, a little overblown. But. Right, I think it's a with every like if he were to do literally everything it's a potential he could make up to that much um yeah which i mean but, but with how this offense is playing <laughs> might get that eight million <laughs> yeah we'll see but there's i don't know there's a few names i think dion makes sense because i believe college football we we're really seeing it in these past two three years and kind of where we're at we're transitioning a little bit. I don't think you have to have the old ball coach like you used to. I, I mean, it really is all about the players. Obviously, like Nick Saban is Nick Saban. But if you look at, let's look at Tennessee right now. Hypo, great X's and O's guy. He is, he is. But what he's really done is figured out who to fit his offense. And I think at heart, Hypel is a OC, obviously. I think that's his bread and butter. And I think Dion could kind of do the same thing. I think Dion could kind of do what Coach O did at LSU, right? Coach O has been fired from numerous jobs. But what did he do? He went out and recruited guys that he thought would fit his system. He went out and got Joe Burrow. When Burrow was not – I mean, he was recruited, and there were a lot of schools that wanted him, but there were – he. I mean, he hadn't done anything yet, but – for some reason, Coach O thought, this guy could come in and fit my system. Let's do that. Let's find other players. Let's find Justin Jefferson's and Jamar Chase's. Be excellent recruiters. Get them over here and let the rest do the work. Put great coordinators around me like Joe Brady. Let him do the offense, and I'll be the head coach. I'll be the CEO, essentially. I won't have to get two X's and O's with it, but I can be you know, a manager, essentially. And I think Dion can do that at, at a school like Auburn. People are going to want to come work at that because it's going to be he's going to have plenty of buddies that are probably great coordinators that he could call up on the phone, get over there, help coach him up. And he's going to be the recruiting master. The amount with the transfer portal, so many guys would transfer if if they're not playing somewhere. You would have so many elite athletes transfer right on over to Auburn. We already got a crystal ball for 2024 uh, five star receiver. Um, I think it's. Mingo, uh, I want to say his name, or Bingo. I, I'll have to look again. Sorry, I'm for – Are you talking about Tennessee? Here. Yeah, I'm blanking yeah. on the spot. So, like, he is just going to get out there. 
Um, and I, I think Auburn as well is going to have that opportunity. So, yeah, we'll see. I do. I know a lot of people are talking about how Hugh Freeze just signed a big extension with Liberty. I think they actually, it doesn't mean anything. Like I think they gave him some big money, especially for a school like Liberty. But again, everyone's got a number that contract can easily be broken. If Auburn wants to buy it out and hire him and they think it's going to work for them. I am actually intrigued by Lane Kiffin. I think it's a real, just because I think it's a real possibility I think it is, but I think that wouldn't play out for Auburn that well, um, at least not in the long term. Because I think Kiffin, like you're, you're kind of saying right here, he's a guy that it, anything goes south, anybody offers a bigger number, he's gone automatically. He's a guy that is not tied to any place, anywhere. Um, and I think he's the type of guy that will leave at the, the drop of a hat. So I don't, I personally don't love we, Kiffin as a coach, but I mean, he, he puts together a good offense. Yeah. And I'm not saying I love him either personally as a coach, but the argument is there. I mean, when's the last time Lane Kiffin was coaching at a school that had a chance, a true chance at winning a national championship? Like a program that is a national championship winning program. You have to go back to USC. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, because let's be until there is a massive transition in the SEC, right now you really have five teams. And I'm not even saying they're the they're all the best teams in the SEC. You have five teams that have a shot at winning a national title just because of the program, just because of the brand. And that's Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia. LSU. That's it. You can argue Texas A&M. What about LSU? What am I missing? LSU, sorry. The yeah. big six, yeah. So, And you could argue Texas A&M as well, but outside of those, it's Bama, Auburn, LSU in the West, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida in the East. That's what it is. A Mississippi school is not going to win a national championship anytime soon, even if Lane Kiffin is there for the next 10 years. Because someone, Bama and Auburn are going to get someone to come in. I just don't think Ole Miss, they don't have the support that all these other schools do. No, it's not going to happen. They can be really good. We've seen it. They can win 10 games. Heck, maybe they can win 11 games. They're not winning an SEC championship. It's just not going to happen, in my opinion. I agree. And, I mean, you have to go back to, to what, the 50s or 60s since Ole Miss, uh, they claimed a national championship, right? I mean, they're not in any recent history have they done anything important. Um, haven't really made like any. I mean, they've been decent, pretty good in the West, but they haven't been able to get over Alabama. They haven't been able to get over. Um, they LA. haven't won the division, so yeah, they haven't been able to win the West. They haven't been able to get out into the SEC championship. I can't. When is the last time uh, Ole Miss has never won an SEC championship? Have they? I don't think they've won an SEC championship game. Like maybe there's something from the thirties where they finished. Yeah. Take a look and see if you can find it. But I mean, especially, and let's throw in Texas and Oklahoma. You think Ole Miss is going to be able to keep up? So they could be good. Maybe last time they did in 63. So they haven't been able to get out of the West in 60 years. Like you're irrelevant. (laughs) 60 years, man. 60 been a long years. time. So, yeah, even a team like Tennessee that has been crappy for 
I mean, probably they showed some stats before that Kentucky game. 15 years. That they were like, besides Vanderbilt, the worst SEC team in terms of like scoring, uh, one of the worst win percentages, like just terrible. Um, I think they were number 11 or 12. So maybe there was two or three teams that were worse than them, maybe like Arkansas, Vanderbilt, um, Kentucky probably. But I mean, good God, talk about bottom of the barrel for 15 years. And Tennessee remained relevant. We could like uh, Pruitt had the team ranked number 14. Oh, that should not have even been close to rank. That's that hilarious. But because, like, no, of name, and because of the brand, we're there. That's going to be a trivia question somewhere one day. Like, was Jeremy, did Jeremy Pruitt coach a top 15 Tennessee team? That's got to be a trivia question somewhere. Yeah. And Tennessee's going to be like, oh, no true. way. Yeah. Yeah. Technically it's true. Um, I think the Big Ten wasn't ranked at that time because of COVID, but still in the record books, it counts as 14. Is that true? I didn't know that. Did they do that during yeah, COVID? The Big Ten wasn't playing in the beginning of the season. They met, they oh, right. Or something. Right at the beginning. Gotcha. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know who Auburn's going to hire. It's, I mean, it's another one. They're throwing their hat in the ring with a bunch of other big time programs. Yeah. Nebraska is obviously, um, who else? Wisconsin, Wisconsin, but they're probably they're probably hiring Jim Leonard. That's probably going to happen. Texas A and M is going to fire Jimbo Fisher. I'm calling it. I don't know, man. I think they'll give him one more year. Oh man, I I'm just saying, don't call me shocked if it happens. I and I think it's crazy because of all that money. But we're about to find out. We're about to find out if money is truly just a number down there in College Station, and it might be. It truly might be. So we'll see. I mean, uh, a couple of other games that we can talk about, Trucial, you wanted to mention. I mean, there's a big one in the Big Ten. Had some playoff ramifications going on there. Uh, Ohio State, Penn State, obviously. Yeah. Um, Pretty close for the most part. It, it, it was the close. Score, yeah. Until JT Tumaloa got involved. That was the best performance I've seen from a defensive player of all time. I mean, he had two picks, two sacks, a forced fumble, a pick six, like all in the third and fourth quarter. The dude went off. I mean, he Mm -hmm. dominated Penn State, was absolutely uh, just stifling the run, crushing the quarterback. Um, He won them that game. I mean, his presence uh, completely dominated in the second half. That was one of the best performances I've ever seen from a defensive player. Marvin Harrison Jr., that dude is going to be incredible. He is a playmaker. Um, it was fun to watch him and Stroud uh, playing together. I, I, I thought Penn State was going to be able to pull it off. I was kind of a little pissed because when um, Ohio State was losing, I live bet them alternate line minus six and a half at plus 150. Um, they ended up running away with the game. So I was, thank God. But yeah, Penn State came and drove, uh, I think, in the third quarter, got that either tied it up or got the lead again. Um, and really after that, Ohio State took the reins and they, they basically went to Marvin Harrison Jr. 12 or 15 times. The run game wasn't going. Nobody else could catch, forced the ball to him and let their defense do the talk and rest was history. It was a fun game. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you covered it and all. Had them, I mean, had them jump uh, I said, Georgia in the rankings as well. 
it was that big of a performance, apparently. Yeah, I guess so. And I mean, Penn State, they were ranked pretty high, but didn't Penn State got smacked they by got, Michigan, right? I think it was like 40 something to three or 10. Like <laughs> it was. I got to check that. Yeah. It was like 42 to 10, I feel like. Um, if. If I remember correctly, it might have even been worse than that. Like it uh, was, looks like 41 17. 41 17. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was. And Penn State only scored three points in the second half. So basically, Michigan just took control and there was Penn State and nothing they could do. Yeah. I mean, you talk about, I mean, we talk about conferences all the time being top heavy. It really looks like the Big Ten is top heavy. Now, Teams like Penn State and Illinois, I think, are solid teams. But compared to the SEC where you have, you know, if if Tennessee and Georgia is your are your top two teams, if, if you're telling me teams like Bama, LSU. Ole Miss, and LSU are the second tier, I mean, I'm taking that over Penn State and Illinois <laughs> all, every day of the week. Are you kidding yeah. me? And d- don't get me wrong, I think Illinois and, I think Illinois and Penn State are ranked – teams i think they're top 25 teams but there is a massive massive drop from ohio state to michigan and then probably an equal drop off from after illinois and penn state like the and i'm a big 10 guy right like i'm a nebraska fan usually i think they're pretty good top to bottom but it just doesn't look like the same game sometimes when compared to all these other teams yeah the talent so, level is just so despairing. Like it's it's very different. Well, it's like Nebraska's usually uh, in the top five of talent in the Big Ten, so that should tell you something. I mean, obviously Nebraska isn't acting on that, but that shows you that outside of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, no one else is really recruiting at a uber high level. Right. Yeah. If a team like Nebraska, who hasn't been successful in ten years, twelve years. Um, is able to to stay consistently in the top of the big 10 in terms of recruiting. Uh, yeah. I think any of those teams that kind of pop up like Illinois or Michigan state or any of those teams that kind of will have a little pop up, it's due to coaching, not talent. Yeah. And I was going to, I was actually going to say that it is a testament to coaching somewhat, right? Because player development, I mean, you think of Wisconsin, they're never really at the top of the recruiting rankings and somehow they're usually obviously not this year, but usually able to rattle off, 9, 10, 11 wins. So yeah. it is a testament somewhat to that. And obviously finding kind of the uh, good old Midwestern boys that get overlooked that are all six, eight, 350 pounds up there somehow. Um, but no, I, I just think there's such a major drop off this year in college football. I do think, Trisha, I want to hear your thoughts on this. Maybe give me your sleeper playoff team. Now we still have a few undefeated teams that probably aren't the the first four you would think of kind of outside of that first four but who do you think your sleeper playoff team would be as of right now as of right now tcu for sure and the only reason i think tcu is a very good team but the only reason i say that is because the rest they're eight and oh the rest of their schedule is not hard um so i think there is a good chance they are going to be 12-0 and going into the Big 12 championship. A lot of momentum. Um, and if a team comes out of the Big 12 undefeated, I think you got to put them in. Um, they I have to. That, they have to go. Because Michigan and Ohio State, one of those is going to beat each other out. So, yep. it, it's 
Yeah, I think it, with the Big Ten, I mean, SEC, I think you can get in at one loss and not a championship, but the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan being in the same division, it's going to be tough for one of those teams with one loss to get in. I'm super interested to see what happens because we're in a situation where teams like you just mentioned TCU. I'm going to throw out Clemson as well. Yeah. I mean, Clemson came out as number four in the rankings. Mm -hmm. They have pretty much played all their tough games as well. I believe. I mean, they played Syracuse, they played Wake Forest. I don't know who else is going to be coming out of the ACC to beat them. Um, But I mean, you're in a world where, Think about it. If Clemson and TCU go undefeated, both of them, how are you not going to give both of those teams playoff spots? And then an SEC champion is in there. Yeah. But then you come down to Ohio State, Michigan, one of those teams, they're going to have to go undefeated probably. Yeah. You know? I mean, and I don't think they're going to – like that will be the one loss. If they lose any other game, it will be a bad loss. So they truly do have to go undefeated. Um that last game of the regular season will be the defunct Big Ten championship, essentially. But, I mean, there's not – I mean, people keep talking about if Tennessee loses, you know, if they go 11-1 and after losing to Georgia, they should be able to get in. And I think they should, and there's definitely a scenario for it. But it's going to be – it could come down to the wire, seriously. It's, yeah, not, if Al- it's not like in, the past in few Georgia years. Or in the uh, in the SEC championship or – LSU is not out of contention yet because they are in the top 10. If they beat Alabama, because that game is in Baton Rouge and they get steamrolling on the season, Brian Kelly actually has them rolling right now. Um, they could get it, sneak into the SEC championship. So there's a lot of different ways the SEC can play out. More people need to realize that, I think, because <laughs> I, I hadn't really thought about that yeah. until now. But that, I mean, they play this week as well. Bam LSU, yeah. that's going to be a huge game. Because what LSU's five and two, and one of them are is to Florida six, State, so it doesn't matter in terms of the SEC champion or SEC standings. Yeah, that could really throw a wrench in everything. Um, but it, it, it's wild to me just because we could run into a situation where, in my opinion, usually the four team playoff. I think every year, in my opinion, has been fine. Anyone who was number five or lower, I didn't think had any real chance at winning a national championship, or you know, the argument is always, oh, well, they deserve to be in the playoff. And I don't even agree with that argument. But it's also like, I they don't, uh, maybe they, I don't even know where I'm going with this now. I'm rambling. But you have teams in the past where, you know, they they thought they deserved a spot in the playoff. But that shouldn't be the argument. The argument should be, can you win a national championship? Yeah. And that's never really been an issue. This year, there's a lot. You're gonna, more you might have too many undefeated. You're just gonna have too many undefeated teams, and there's gonna be a real argument there that was like no one ever beat us. So you can't not give them a spot. You can't give. You can't not give TCU, Clemson, Especially and a Big Ten last team a spot. Year was Cincinnati getting in just because they were undefeated. Now I think Cincinnati was deserving. They were probably the fourth best team in the country. But I right. mean that has set the precedent. If you go undefeated and dominate your opponents. You get in, even if you're group yeah. of five. Yeah, and I think part of that too, when it comes to group of five, you have they to have, have an extended five wins. Yeah, and you have an extended body of work as well, because right. um, they were good for a couple of years. But yeah, they, I mean, they went into Notre Dame 
and beat them pretty good. So I, I'm just thinking there is a real scenario we always talk about. It's almost gotten to the point where you assume two SEC teams are getting into the playoff. That could seriously not be the case this year. You might have the SEC champion, and that's it. Just because you can't keep out undefeated teams. Yeah, power. you can't keep out a undefeated Power 5 champion. No. Well, I don't know. If, every, if all Power 5 conferences went undefeated, their champions were undefeated, I think – who do you think gets kicked out? Pac-12? That's who my guess would be. Just because of – It's just too – well, it, it – I don't know if there's even a scenario where it's possible just because there's a possible this year because the Pac-12 that everybody's already lost in it. But I'm right. Well, and I'm just thinking you would have a non-conference game between two big time like like you had it with Georgia and Oregon this year. Yeah, you know that uh, one of those games is always happening. I I mean, almost always. So I just don't know. But yeah, I mean, I guess you would have to go with Pac-12. Like I think the Pac-12. Who's weaker, the Pac-12 or ACC? I think the ACC, honestly. Is weaker? I respect – yeah, I think the ACC is weaker than the Pac-12. I guess overall I could understand that, but I think – I don't know. I think Clemson would beat any Pac-12 team pretty – I'd love to see it. I would love to see Clemson play Oregon or – or even UCLA or someone like that. That's where I'm thinking. I'm thinking not only Oregon is kind of the top dog right now. Obviously, the whole Oregon thing is weird, right? Because you got absolutely stomped game one. And you can make the argument, you know, it was Dan Lanning's first game, Bo Nix's first game and at a different team. I, But I don't think it would be that different today, personally. But I do think the Pac-12, when you start going into – Oregon, Washington, USC, Utah, UCLA is pretty like those are all some pretty good football teams. Yeah, that's true. Uh, in the ACC, Clemson obviously, you got Wake Forest and Syracuse. Wake Solid. Forest is not good in my opinion. They're okay. Where are they even at now? I'm they're running 20, that off of at 21, but I don't even know. After that, Louisville beat down and North Carolina's number 17. They're actually the the second highest ACC team. Okay. So you've got some, and to wait to me, Wake Forest and North Carolina are like fun offenses, right? Yeah. Which would kind of be fun to see them stack up against the PAC 12 team. Cause that's, you kind of got the same thing going there for the most part, but I mean, didn't North Carolina gave up 42 points in a quarter to app state. Isn't that right? Yeah. 42. I think it was, it had to have been a record. So I just can't like you tell you show me Clemson, but then even Syracuse just got smacked by Notre Dame this week, which I guess Notre Dame's fine. Notre Dame lost to Marshall though. Yeah. Like Notre Dame has kind of crumbled. Like all those, all those teams besides Clemson have losses that are bad. Embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Just very bad losses. Like, yeah, Oregon losing by 46 to Georgia is a bad loss, but at least it's to Georgia, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, Wake Forest just this past week had eight turnovers in the second half against Louisville, six in the third quarter, all caused by Sam Hartman. Like, that is embarrassing to give up eight turnovers in one half. Louisville is my least favorite team to bet on. 
you watch them one week and you're thinking, man, this is a fun electric team. They got some players, they got some athletes and they'll do what they did against Wake Forest. Yeah. And then the next week they'll come out and all over the place. You think like, Oh man, this is fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like this guy's Lamar jr. You know? And then he looks like Lamar is the crazy thing. (laughs) And then the next week they'll come out and, put three points up or something it doesn't make any sense to me that's happened to me betting on louisville the past three years and i finally stopped after this year i bet i don't even remember which game it was but i was like all right i'm never betting on louisville again (laughs) because anytime i don't bet on them their offense scores 40 points anytime i do they can't do anything right so there you go louisville fans i'm gifting you greatness from now on i guess (laughs) Yeah, Louisville's going to win the national championship next year because you you haven't placed any money on them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, Trucial, you mentioned that. Any? Do you have any other details kind of on that game? I know you wanted to talk about it a little bit. I mean, it was just some of the craziest stuff that I've ever seen from a defense. They were flying all over the field. It was. Uh, I watched that with Pete and Jack. We were watching that before the Tennessee game, and um, I mean, Sam Hartman. Like, poor dude, like, they just kept putting the camera on him on the sidelines as things were going. And I think he single-handedly had six turnovers, and I believe they were all in the third quarter. Um, I want to say four picks and two fumbles. Like, it was crazy. The dude was getting annihilated. The The defensive ends for Louisville were just hammering him all night long. Um he was under pressure, throwing picks left and right. And uh, I, I think they had three – yeah, the Louisville defense had three touchdowns. So <laughs> Malik Cunningham and the offense didn't even really have to do much uh, to win that game. It was just defense crushing all night long, giving their team 21 points. I mean, how often do you see that? Uh, it, was, it was fun to watch. I mean, that was – it was crazy. Wake Forest – disgusting embarrassing loss yeah i mean yeah you you covered it all like i said i don't understand louisville maybe i will one day but i love dude i love louisville's unis some people don't like them i think they have the black unis are cool yeah they just have for some reason to me like red white and black you can just do so much with it same with i love cincinnati usually they can put together some cool uniforms just good good colors honestly they do have some great colors. I'm a big fan yeah. of their unis. Yeah. What else? I'm trying to think any other games that went on this past weekend that I might want to talk about or we can kind of move forward to this upcoming one. I do want to mention to our listeners, if you don't know, I believe from now through the weekend after Thanksgiving, there will be football on television every single day of the week. Yeah, that's right. We're We're really hitting that groove right now to where – Anytime you want to watch football, it's on TV. Thank you, Mac Conference. Getting a little action. And me and Trusha were talking about this before. This is a gamble, a gambler's dream. Maction is one of the most fun things to bet on and one of the most wild things to bet on. You cannot predict some of the stuff that goes on in these games. It was – I mean – and like you were talking about, Will, it becomes even more fun because you get to know the teams. You get to know some of the players. Uh, you actually have a little bit of an informed take, an informed um, kind of gambling aspect of it. Um, 
it, yeah, it really just, it, it's almost like a whole other league that you get to just enjoy outside of the power five and the normal football you're watching. So it's just kind of, it's bonus football. It's awesome. It honestly makes you feel like a professional gambler when you can say, when you're talking about Ohio State's backup, I mean, not Ohio State, sorry, Ohio University's like backup QB situation coming into a game against Ball State or something. It's like, oh, if you said that to any normal person, they'd be like, what is wrong with you? You know, <laughs> and it, it's just fun getting to kind of, you're, you're right. It is like a totally different league. You're like, is this still FBS Division One college football? Because obviously it's being played on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And I think it was Big Cat from Barstool used to be tweeting it out all the time. You would yeah. see there'd be like three muffed punts in a game or two punts blocked or something on the same on the same drive somehow like something crazy you know so much fun to watch and part of it I guess is because less talent less coaching a little like less good coaching a little bit but still good football nonetheless it's on TV all these schools are like super gritty you think of Ohio University Buffalo Ohio and Buffalo are playing right now these kids are fighting yeah. for their place on the team, fighting for their scholarships. These games mean more. I mean, some of these uh, power five guys who know they're getting drafted. Oh, I can kind of get hurt and take a, a game off or two. I'm still going to end up making 10 million, $20 million. These matching guys, they got a lot to play for. They got a lot to prove. So it, it's, it's fun to watch those games. Yeah. Cause well, it's like one out of two, like, less than one percent of these matching guys are probably making it to the league so for a lot of them it is this is it for them yeah there's a little more want to i think there's a little more try out of these guys i like it yeah it's definitely fun i'm, I'm gonna be partaking in some action that's for sure yeah definitely well i mean we, we've already kind of touched on some of the games coming up this weekend but obviously i mean tennessee georgia is going to be the game of the weekend did they announce game day yet yeah it's coming down to athens Okay, I, I was talking to someone about this the other day. So what is that? Is that Tennessee's third game day this year? Yeah, and I looked this up. Who's had the most uh, game days? I was going to say, okay, in, in 2016, did Tennessee have four game days? I think they did, but there's so there is a team that has had six. Okay, well, so here, let I'm going to cover. So in 2016 – I believe Tennessee had Bristol, the battle at Bristol against Virginia Tech. That was game day. When they played Bama, that was game day. Florida was game day that year as well. Yeah. Uh, when they broke the streak. And then I think, did I say A&M already? No. I think in College Station it was game day. So I think that was four by Tennessee in 2016. But truthfully, yeah, no, I've got to know. Who has been a part of six game days half of the season? This is the coolest thing in the world. There is a a, a person involved uh, on Tennessee's team who was at six college game days in the year 2000. They won the national championship. The Oklahoma Sooners, Josh Heupel's led team, had six college game days in 2000. Goodness. And, uh, he's making another run for it now. How is that even possible? They had to have played some big non-conference game. Yeah, they did. I did have the list of who it was. 
I mean, I know Nebraska was good around then too, so I have to imagine Oklahoma, Nebraska, that makes sense. You know, classic rivalry being game day. I saw it uh, because I was looking for this. It was when we, on Saturday, we had already beaten um, Kentucky. We were talking about, all right, it has to be pretty much certain that it's going to be in um, in Athens. Uh, let me see. Um, it might take me a second to find it, but I'll try and find it here. Let's see. Let me go to history. Try and get it on Saturday here. Um, but I just thought it was the, the coolest thing that um, – uh, Josh Heupel was involved in this. Like it has been the game day a few times. Okay, here we go. Let's see. Oklahoma number. So it was OU during the undefeated 2000 season. Number eight Oklahoma at number two Kansas State. Number one Nebraska at number three Oklahoma. Number one Oklahoma at number 23 Texas A&M. Number one Oklahoma versus number eight Kansas State in the. Big 12 championship, and then um, number one, Oklahoma versus number two, Florida State at the national championship. So technically, those are college game days. You kind of get to add those on. Um, But, yeah, so that was six during the 2000 season. Dang. I didn't even know. Yeah, I guess they do game day for national championship. For some reason, I wasn't even thinking about that. That makes sense, though. Wild. The hype, man. Yeah, the hype man. Did you uh, watch his press conference after uh, Tennessee was named number one today? No. Yeah, so um, a few listeners that didn't get to uh, see it. I mean, Heupel was ear-to-ear smiling, grinning like crazy, uh, just saying how much he loves this team, how much he enjoys going to war with the guys out there, and that everybody has just bought in. That's the biggest thing he kept talking about, is every single player on the team, both offense and defense, has completely bought in um, to this win, or to this uh, team, excuse me. So they haven't even – they didn't set any expectations at the beginning of the season, no ceiling, nothing – and that what makes it uh, so special about this team, about this roster that had a lot of sanctions again at two years ago when Hypo was hired a lot. The transfer portal absolutely obliterated Tennessee. They had the most transfers in the country at that time. So what Hypo has been able to do with this roster is, is quite amazing. Did you see that little sound clip of Romo dropping Hypo's name as a potential NFL coaching candidate? So – I saw something about it. I didn't see the actual clip, but my dad mentioned it um, to me that he is potentially going to the NFL. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. The argument I heard is, you know, a lot of times you hear coaches want to stay in college or they don't want to go to the NFL, but when you really break it down, think about the best college football coaches in recent memory they all were at the NFL at one time. Yeah. Nick Saban, was with Urban them. Meyer, Spurrier. Uh, let's see. Can I think of anyone else? Uh, Off the top of my head. Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. I mean, he was, he was in the NFL originally, I think, and then came to USC yeah. and then went back to the NFL. But there's a point there that a lot of guys do want to try it out. The only name I can think of off the top of my head that Lane really Kiffin hasn't showed. Lane Kiffin with the Raiders. Yeah. 
the only one I can really think of, like Lincoln Riley, he had a real opportunity to probably go to the NFL and decided yeah. not to, and obviously got a great deal. But the craziest one I can think of is Cliff Kingsbury. I don't know how he got that Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. I mean, well, I mean, apparently he's a better NFL coach than he is college coach. Yeah, because he went seven and five with Patrick Mahomes, but also Arizona's like what two and four right now or three and five? Yeah, no, they're not. They're not good either. But I will say that I just don't see. There's no there's no reasoning behind it, but I don't see Hypo going to the NFL. I don't see him really going anywhere because I don't see him going back to Oklahoma because they fired him when he was offensive coordinator there. Yeah, they did. So uh, I don't think there's anything for Tennessee fans to really worry about there. In the the what he's already started to build here and can see here, and especially I think because he had so much success at the college level. Um, and just did not see that success in the NFL, that he is a college guy through and through. Um, and that is what is kind of kind of has me thinking he'll stick around and how excited he looks after every game. The postgame interview after uh, Tennessee beat Alabama and all the students were on the field, he was running around high-fiving students, getting pictures with everybody, going crazy. Um, he, he just seems to love the atmosphere here, and I couldn't see him leaving. Yeah, no, I agree. Let's do a little uh, – we'll wrap it up with a little Titans talk. Yeah. So, King I Henry. saw a graphic, and I'm sure you saw it as well, and it was amount of 200-plus yard, two touchdown games. Number one, Derrick Henry was six. Number two, Derrick Henry versus the Texans at four, and then a bunch of other running backs with three and two. So, just to show you how much Derrick Henry owns the Texans – I think it's been the last four games, right? He's had over 200 yards. Yeah. And he has beaten out every other running back to have 200 yards and two touchdowns just against the Texans. Mm -hmm. And it was in a, it was in a game where everyone knew he was getting the ball. Malik Willis had what? 10 pass attempts for 50 yards. He looked bad. Yeah. I'll go ahead and say it. Malik Willis, not the guy. Not going to happen there. I don't know. I mean, he's still young. And they, I think the coaching staff also told him, don't go out there and really do much. Like, this is going to be something, a, a game where we want you to hold back. Derek is going to move the ball. And he was even talking about, like, yeah, we didn't throw a ball a lot, but why would we when we were running the ball like we were? Like, Yeah, imagine. but, dude, I mean, he just didn't look comfortable a lot of the times, I thought. He had couldn't, happy he feet. He couldn't make a decision, yeah. He would not make a decision, just get sacked or throw the ball. He late. missed that He's one throw to Chig that was. <laughs> it was like a dump off that he like. Oh, you're back. You're there. Yeah. I was just saying he threw that one pass to Chig Conquo that was like a dump off, basically, that he sailed into the stands. I mean, he was missing like bad throws. And the one he completed the woods was like a duck yeah he, he basically had to uh i mean uh, throw, he threw off his back foot and, and it was a duck and, and woods had to catch it right on uh, above his shoelaces uh malik willis does not look ready to be an nfl starting quarterback yet that is for sure and for me honestly i think the titans you go i think the browns did it just start drafting quarterbacks I mean, you're going to have to have a successor to Tannehill 
no matter what you think about Tannehill, obviously I think there are some Titans fans that appreciate him a lot more after this past week. But you got to find a young guy, and I personally just don't think Willis is it. We'll see. I think uh, we can still give him a little bit more time, but this did not bode well. I think he has a much shorter leash than he did before after this. Yeah. Um, and, and we've said it all year. I mean, Titans taking control. Controls taking over the AFC South. Yeah, you hear that? Am I still cutting out? (laughs) No, it's cutting out for a second, but you're you're back. But yeah, the the Titans have taken control over the AFC South, which I mean, we could talk as Titans fans. um, Back at the beginning of the season, when we had uh, Seth on the show, we were all talking about how the season is over. I mean, it's, we can't do anything with it. We might We're going to win, but it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Like we might still win an AFC South championship just because the AFC South is that bad. Um, but Hey, this, this defense has really come into its own uh, top to bottom from the front seven to the secondary uh, Christian Fulton played an incredible game. I think gave up 16 yards, one of eight uh, targets versus catches, uh, just played an absolute lockdown and had an interception himself. So the secondary has tightened up. Uh, no pun intended. No pun intended. Uh, uh, the the front seven we know is already dominated. David Long had another great game. Danico Autry, um, Jeffrey Simmons, who we thought might not be able to go, was in there absolutely just wrecking ball, wreaking havoc all over the the Titans or excuse me, the Texans run game and Davis Mills uh, was, was running for his life back there. So Davis Mills, um, I saw some stats. So he had 11 starts last year and I believe five of those, he had a QB rating of over a hundred. So he's had uh, seven starts this year. Zero of those are uh, QB ratings above 500. So everybody, and including myself who thought Davis Mills had a shot of actually winning out the starting job and being the guy for the next couple of years. Maybe not. Sorry, Texans. Yeah, I know. Um, and, and I will say this, you never know. You could get to playoffs and someone could get hot. That happens. I mean, you saw it with the Bengals essentially last year. Yeah. I mean, they were a solid team, but then got All to the playoffs. Team Titans. Yeah. Exactly. Derek was running That's... 200 yards over the uh, Patriots and the Ravens. When you got to the AFC championship with Tannehill, not even having to really throw the ball. So yeah. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it's probably not probable, but we'll see what happens. Trujillo, anything else to add uh, before we wrap it up? No, I think uh, that's about good for today. I mean, not, I, I did want to talk about real quick before we close it out, the downfall of quarterbacks that we grew up and loved Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. What's going on with them this season? It seems like they are. Uh, just Dude, Tom's got his own issues, you know? I mean, yeah, he's got a lot of off the field uh, dealing with it mentally. And then Tom, he on the field, he's been acting like a baby crying all over the place, yelling at people. His offensive line hasn't done much for him, but he's got so many offensive weapons. You think he'd be able to make it work. I don't think he's going to be able to retire. Like, he's not going to be able to go out on a bad team. Yeah, I could see Tom Brady pulling off something like that. I I don't know what he's going to do, if he's going to get on another team or if he's going to figure out a way to get the Bucs to get it together. But, I mean, he might just just force someone to keep making him a starter, let him roll roll him out there on a wheelchair because his – 
I don't even want to say his ego because I don't think it's that necessarily. That's just kind of who he is. The competition, the competitive nature he has. He's not going to be able to go out a loser. No, that's not who he is. That's the only reason he came back this year. I could see that happening, but that'd be crazy. I mean, he'd be 46 at that point. We'll see what happens. Guys, thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. Been a great week of college football. Going to be a great month of football every day, so I hope everyone's looking forward to it. We've got college basketball coming up pretty soon here, too. That's exciting. Shout out to the Vols for uh, beating the Zags by about 19, I think, in yeah, an exhibition. performance. I will say, I'll plug that in real quick. Tom Izzo at Michigan State did say, I guess they scrimmaged or played Tennessee in an exhibition and said Tennessee is looking like a Final Four team. Not to get anyone's hopes up, but again, guys, thanks again. He's talking about, huh? I said Tom Izzo knows what he's talking about when it comes to basketball, though. I do. I do like Tom Izzo, honestly, just as a coach. He's one of the better ones, obviously. But yeah, guys, thanks again for listening. We appreciate it. We're part of the Six Pack Coverage Network. Check them out, sixpackcoverage.com on Instagram and Twitter at sixpackcoverage. Check us out on on Twitter at paydirt underscore sports. Instagram at paydirt sports. The website is paydirtsports.blog. Guys, thanks again for listening, and we will see you all next week. Paydirt out.